beginning a series called The Raised Life, and, and I'll just tell you where we're going to go for the next bit as a church. We're talking about the raised life, like what Easter happened, right? Easter happened. That has all sorts of implications for our life, and, and now we're going to spend a few weeks talking about what does it mean to live out the resurrection in our life. And then after that, we're going to spend some time just looking at the life of Jesus. Because I don't know about you all, uh, but I think we could spend some time watching how Jesus lived, watching how Jesus interacted with people, watching how Jesus went about his mission. Uh, We're just going to spend some time in the book of Luke, walking through and seeing how Jesus lived. Um, The raised life. Turn with me to uh, Luke 24. In Luke 24, that chapter, we see uh, Jesus dies, and then people are trying to figure out what happened to him, right? Like the, the women are going, the women disciples are going to the tomb, and he's not there. Other disciples are rushing in. Everybody's trying to figure out what happened to Jesus, uh, there's all sorts of speculations. Did he fall asleep? Did uh, the Roman guards steal his body? Uh, did something break into the tomb and steal his body? Like, there's all sorts of speculations. And the disciples are in this moment, like we call it Sat- Holy Saturday, when the disciples are sitting there just grieving. The man they love, the, the Messiah, the Savior, the one who they believed was going to save everything, died. And then they're in this moment of waiting, this moment of grief, this moment of wonder, this moment of questioning, this moment. And then we see Jesus starts to appear. And it's important to know all of the followers of Jesus are struggling. All of the followers of Jesus at this moment are doubting and asking questions. Like doubting Thomas kind of gets a bad name. Like I, I don't know why he just gets that name because all of them were struggling trying to figure out what just happened. And so as Jesus starts showing up, he's revealing that, yeah, this happened. <laughs> What I told you was going to happen, happened. Everything has changed now. So in Luke 24, there's two uh, disciples, apostles, walking down the road. And they are walking away from Jerusalem. They're walking seven miles away from Jerusalem. And a guy shows up. And starts talking to them. He's uh, asked, what are you discussing? And they, they explain, well, we're just trying to figure out what just happened. Like, Jesus the Messiah, he died. Uh, like, if you've been living under a rock, you don't know about this. He died, and now we're trying to figure out what would happen. But they are walking away from the city. Why were they walking away from the city? Probably because they were terrified of what was going to happen next. So they're seven miles out. This guy comes and starts talking to them. Seven miles is important, by the way. 
Because it proves something. It proves something about the resurrection of Jesus. It proves that he was resurrected. He came back to life and was fully restored, fully healed. Why? Well, you take a guy who was brutally beaten. You take a guy who was pierced. You take a guy whose bones were broken. You take a guy who died on the cross. And it becomes very important that now he is walking seven miles with other people because you don't walk seven miles unless you are fully restored, right? Like you ever sprain an ankle and try to walk a mile? It doesn't work, right? Or you look really funny doing it. Like you're all... So Jesus is walking with these guys. And something that I find is really fascinating is... Why didn't Jesus reveal himself right away? Like as he walks up to him, why why didn't Jesus reveal himself? You see this in various stories of of Jesus coming back, of the resurrection. The, The people that are on the receiving end of that aren't recognizing it's Jesus. And I think it's so cool because what would happen if Jesus just revealed himself right away? And what happens as a result of him kind of holding off? Well, he listens to their story. He listens to where they're at, what they're struggling with. And then he gets an opportunity. Uh, He says um, that he had the opportunity. Uh, He said to them, how foolish you are. How slow you are to believe that all the, what all the prophets have spoken did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said throughout all the scriptures concerning himself. So right now, this guy is a stranger coming alongside these guys, and he is explaining. First, he kind of dogs them. You guys are fools. Like, why don't you believe this? What happened was just what he said was going to happen. And then he walks through all, all of scripture and says, this is how it all lines up. That's one of the beautiful things about this encounter. That Jesus refrained for the sake of their growth and overall revelation. On how all these pieces, Old Testament, New Testament, fits together in God's story. And then they sat down, and Jesus, he was at the table with them. He took bread, he gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened. This is Jesus. (laughs) It's all true. Like, you imagine that moment. They think he's dead. They're walking along, and then they see, oh my goodness, this is Jesus. It's true. It's happening. This is for real. And then what happened? They got up. In verse 33, they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. This revelation, this understanding of who Jesus is and how he is now resurrected and comes back and proves that 
completely changes the direction that they're walking. They were walking away because they were terrified. They were scared. They were trying to figure things out. They were trying to understand things. And then they turned and headed back to Jerusalem. See, church, the resurrection transforms everything, right? Like the resurrection, through the resurrection, death is transformed. Through the resurrection, how we live is transformed. Through the resurrection, we don't have to live in shame and guilt. Through the resurrection, we are forgiven and freed to live the way that Jesus calls you and I to live. Through the resurrection, we have access to power, to strength. Through the resurrection, we have a new purpose and new mission in our life. Through the resurrection, we are called to love God with our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. And we are called to love our neighbors as ourselves. This is the raised life. So a question as we come out of Easter. I'm praying that we don't walk out of Easter and just live life normal. I'm praying that because of Easter, because of what Jesus did on the cross, that we would be transformed and changed in this world. So is your love growing for Jesus? Is your love growing for yourself? And by that, I mean, are you loving yourself like Jesus loves you? Are you giving yourself the grace that Jesus gives you? Are you giving yourself the forgiveness that Jesus gives you? Are you giving yourself the discipline that Jesus gives you? Are you being obedient in what Jesus calls you to do? Is your love growing for your neighbors? Is your love growing for your neighbors that you don't agree with? Is your love growing for your neighbors that are on the other side of the aisle? Is your love growing for your neighbors that are just messing up in life? See, these questions provide a check for me. Because if I'm not growing in my love for Jesus, like it's, it's not always a straight line up to the right, right? Like it's a wavy line, like there are hills and valleys. If, but my love overall isn't on the trajectory where it's growing for Jesus, then I've got to step back and ask some questions about myself in the way that I'm living, in the way that I'm, what I'm focused on. If my love isn't growing for people, I got to look in the mirror and ask some questions. Because as your love, see, it's a vertical, horizontal relationship. As your love grows for Jesus, it also needs to be growing for others. And if there's a spot when it's not, it's time to start asking some questions. Why? 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 
See, Jesus invites us to live a raised life. When we turn around and we live life different than how we lived it before. Colossians 2, 11 through 15. Turn with me there. It says this, In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands and your whole self ruled your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ that's a jewish gentile metaphor thing happening there having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it all away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. See, this is the first thing as we talk about how do we live the raised life? We have to realize the power of the cross. That our past sins, our past failures, our brokenness, the things that we're most ashamed of, the things that you've never told anybody, the things that continue to haunt us, the struggles that continue to haunt us, the things that we think about, the things that we do that continue to haunt us, are all buried with The old you is dead. The old Jamie Staples is gone. And now, as I follow Jesus, as I put my hope, my trust in him, as I begin to orientate my life around him, something new is created. The old you is dead. The old Jamie Staples is dead. The past is wiped clean. The record of debt is canceled. Now here's my question for you. Are you living like it? Because so many times I'm living according to my past. So many times I'm living according to things that have happened in the past or past thoughts or past regrets. Sometimes we live in a way that gives the past power, that give our old selves power. Sometimes we live in a way that our past defines us more 
than the gospel does. Our past defines us more than Jesus does. And even currently, we have these compulsions. We have these things that we're drawn to. We have these things that catch our eye, that, that, that take our attention. And the message of the cross is that past failures, present failures, future failures, it's all taken care of. He forgives all of it by the work on the cross. And then throughout the New Testament, there's this uh, flesh versus spirit conversation. And the flesh is your old self. The spirit is your new life in Jesus. And there's this constant back and forth between your old flesh is dead. You have a new spirit, a new life. You are a new creation in Jesus. Live like it. Yeah, this flesh part is around. It keeps hindering you. It keeps popping up every now and then. Like it's causing struggles, but it doesn't have power anymore. Spirit has power. The spirit is alive. The spirit is working. We'll get to more of that in a couple weeks. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, 1 verse 4. It says this, since then you have been raised with Christ. So there's a thing happening. The resurrection happens. Your dead life is paid for, is gone. Your debt is canceled. And now you have been raised with Christ. You are a new creature, a new person in Jesus. And now you no longer reside like here on earth in a a spiritual sense, but you reside with Jesus. In a spiritual sense. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. You participated in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. We'll explain this more next week. But when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. That's the good news, right? What Jesus did, what Jesus is doing right now, and what Jesus will do in the future. Paul is saying, since you have been raised with Christ, since those things are true, since Colossians 2 is true, since the gospel is true, set your mind on things above. Set your heart, your affections on things that are above. We've been talking about this for a couple months now through our whole idolatry series. The 
This is the raised life. So the question is, will you turn towards him? Or or will we continue to play this game where we like try to clean ourselves up, try to get ourselves looking respectable before we can come to Jesus? Like, there's a whole part where Jesus said, it is finished on the cross. And while you were yet a sinner, while you were yet broken, while you were yet in your failure, Jesus came to save you. Jesus came to redeem you. Jesus came to transform your life. It's a constant conversation, right? And it's a constant thing that we experience. We start to struggle. And we start to walk away from Jesus. Right? Like we start to doubt. Or we start to have this thing that we're struggling with, this sin that we're struggling with. We start to struggle with somebody a relationship, something that's going on in our country is causing us to struggle with our relationship with Jesus. And slowly but surely, we stop doing the things that bring us closer to Jesus and we start to slowly walk away. We start to pull back. We start to not do the things that we know grows us closer to him. Prayer, reading scripture, being in community. And then we're amazed when we get to the place where we no longer feel closer to Jesus. And we just have to keep reminding ourselves, hey, if you keep not doing the things that bring you closer to Jesus, guess where you're going to end up? Further away from Jesus. Like if I don't work out for a year and I every afternoon come home and consume uh, Reese's peanut butter cups every afternoon because I'm stressed from this last year, like if I don't work out for a whole year, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to gain the Corona 30 or whatever it is. Maybe it's 10 for you. I don't know. Ask me in a couple weeks if I've been working out. I need some accountability on that. <laughs> Let's be real. Um, if, if you're married or you're in any sort of relationship, a roommate, a friend, a mom, dad, uh, a spouse, what happens if you don't talk to that person for a year? You're probably not going to be married anymore. Like, like your, your, your relationship isn't going to be all that great. You are not going to somehow, after distancing yourself and not talking for a year, somehow going to magically end up with a stronger relationship. See, the gospel is the good news. The resurrection is the good news that transforms. And even while we're struggling, even while we're trying to walk away, 
even while we struggle in sin and our hearts gravitate towards those things that are created versus the creator? Jesus is right there. And he makes a way for us to run towards him versus running away. To run towards Jesus in the midst of our struggle where eventually we can run towards Jesus and find a relationship. We can find joy. We can find peace. We can find freedom. We can find strength and power. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. I'm reading a book right now called A Winning the War in Your Mind by Craig Rochelle, and he says this repeatedly. Our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. The thing that is most on your mind, the thing that occupies the most space, your strongest thoughts in your mind, is the direction that your life moves in. So what's your heart set on? What are your affections set on? What's your mind set on? Since... All this is true. Set your mind on things above. Set your hearts on things that are above Jesus' things versus earthly things. What does that look like in your life? I I think about it. Take stock. Where is your mind? Where is your heart? What do they gravitate towards? Just because they gravitate towards something doesn't mean they should stay on that something. Is that thing an earthly thing? Or is that thing a Jesus thing? And here's where community comes in. Because you and I need help, right? We need help setting our minds on things above. We need help setting our hearts on things that are above. Like, we all need that friend that we can call. That we can explain a struggle or we can say, hey, I'm thinking about this, I'm struggling with this. And they will counteract it with something of Jesus. Something above, right? Like we all need that in our life. If you don't have anybody like that, just come up and ask me after church. I'll assign somebody to you. That you can text, you can call, and they'll set your mind straight. But we all need that in our Life, those friends that are gathered around us, that when we call, that when we text, we have a conversation and they go, hey, hey, why are you thinking about this stuff? Or why are you getting trapped in this? Like you're stuck in the cobwebs of all this earthly stuff. And why are you there? Like, let's adjust it and think on things that are above versus on things that are of this world. Uh, It happened this morning for me. Uh, I got a buddy named Hollis. He's another pastor 
one of the greatest humans ever. Hollis, hi, if you're watching. But uh, he, he texted me and said, I'm, I'm praying for you. And, and he, he texted me this prayer and I wrote him back and I just said, hey, thanks. I'm tired. I said, it's gloomy out, like kind of low energy. So an earthly thing, right? Right? Something we all can identify with. It's been gloomy out. It's been raining. I'm a little low on energy. I need some sun. I need some warm weather. Like that perks me right up. And, and this is what he texted back. Lord Jesus, may your empowering presence come upon, lift up, and strengthen your servant, Jamie, as, and his service to your people this morning. Amen. May your hope in the Lord experience your strength and be renewed. Soar on wings like eagles. Run and not be weary. Walk and not be faint. We all need a Hollis. That when we come and go, hey, I'm tired, I'm worn out, it's, it's okay. I get it. But let me tweak the way you're thinking and remind you of Jesus' things, of what you are called to. We all need those friends, right? It's the power of community. And here's what I need from you. Whether you're in person, whether you're online, you need to be a friend that can be called, that can be texted. And you need to be that friend that reminds people who Jesus is and who they are in Christ. Especially after the year we've had. You need to be that friend. Like stop waiting for other people to be that friend. You be that friend. Like Jesus has put people in your life that are struggling right now. That you are the avenue to which they change from their mind set on earthly things to their mind being adjusted, set on Jesus things. Hey, I'm, I'm really struggling. I'm, I'm, I have this overwhelming feel of like, I'm just feeling ashamed. I'm feeling guilty. Hey, hey. Yeah, like tell me more about that. But also, let me remind you who you are in Jesus. He's defeated all that junk. Yeah, I'm really struggling with this. Yeah, 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 I know. And I'll, I'll pray for you. I'll be with you in that. But let me remind you who Jesus is. Let's get our minds off this and onto this. This is the raised life. How do you be that friend? First of all, just listen. Like, just be a good friend. If you need to know how to be a good friend, like, if you're wondering about that, ask somebody outside after church. I'm sure they could let you know what it looks like to be a good friend. But just listen and be a good friend. But don't just stop there. 
Remind them of what scripture says about Jesus or about them or about their situation. And you don't have to be all weird about it. Just remind them. Hey, this is who Jesus is. This is what he did on the cross. Like, you are forgiven. Stop living like you're not. Remind them of scripture. And that doesn't mean that everything's going to be awesome always, right? Like, just because Hollis tells me, hey, remember what you're here for. Remember who Jesus called you to be. Doesn't mean that I'm automatically going to believe that. And everything's just going to be amazing after that. No, there's even times when Scripture reveals something about you or your mission in life that you are called to that really disrupts the status quo in your life. And that's okay. But be the friend that reminds your friend who Jesus is, what Scripture calls them to. And maybe, maybe you start praying with them. Like, I'll pray for you right now. Call me up, or let's get together for coffee, or let's get together for beer, grab, a, grab wine somewhere, and let's talk. Let's, con, con, let's have conversation around this. Let me remind you who you are in Christ. Let me remind you of some scripture. Let me pray for you, and then actually pray for them. Right? Don't just do the whole text thing. Yeah, I'll pray for you, and then just... Actually pray for them. Or maybe you start doing a devotion together where you get together once a week and just read through a book of the Bible. Or maybe you both start a devotional on the Bible app and you're both doing it together and commenting on it and talking about it. Creating anchor points in your life to where you move from this to this. So often this is what small group does for me. It moves me from the day-to-day, the busyness of life. It moves me from here to getting my mind on Jesus things during the week. We are called to live the raised life. A life that is transformed. So over the next few weeks, we're going to explore what this raised life looks like. It starts here. But we got some places to go, right? Here's a quote from next week. It's from a pastor named John Orberg. It said, Jesus' gospel contrast two ways of thinking. The more common version is thought to involve, uh, involve how people ensure they will go to heaven when they die. It's about how to go from down here to up there. The other understanding is that the gospel announces the availability of life under God's reign and power now, it's about the up there coming down here. See, the raised life isn't about going up there. 
Like that's happening in Jesus. That's a part of it. The raised life, the life that you and I are now called to live into and be is about the up there coming down here. It's about the availability of life under God's reign and power now. Will you pray with me as the worship team comes up? Jesus, Jesus, we come to you this morning. And Jesus, I pray that our lives, our hearts, our minds are transformed by your work on the cross, by your death, burial, and resurrection. And Jesus, I pray that our lives are being transformed by it. I pray that life just wouldn't go along as normal. That our hearts and our minds wouldn't be drawn to the normal places they're drawn to, but they would be transformed and drawn to the things of you. So I pray there would be a transformation in our identity, a transformation in the way that we view ourselves, a transformation in the way that we view our neighbors, a transformation in the way that we view you, a transformation in how we live this out on a daily basis. You call us to the raised life, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.